podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the first reaction pod from this Moses Caicedo news that we had last night that there has been an agreement between Brighton and Liverpool for him to join for £110 million, a British record. My goodness. Uh, And basically, I had to go out there and find the biggest Moises, Moises, not Moises, Moises Caicedo fanboy that I could. And he was a major part of our Discord, especially in the early days. And and a former writer too, taking a bit of a break now. We'll try and discuss that with him later if we can, you know, bring him back. It's Mr. Old King Cole from Discord, uh, Richard Coles. How are you doing, Richard? Doing very, very well right now, because I think fanboy is exactly the word to describe me and Moises Caicedo. Uh, so when the player that you've been harping on about for what 18 months or longer maybe suddenly um, comes to the club out of nowhere to suddenly arrive exactly when you need him like a knight in shining armor then I mean I'm over the moon what else could I say I mean you're definitely not the only fanboy there's been a whole load especially in our Discord server, which mm. is where our community lives. And, you know, we, we kind of live away from t- Twitter nowadays. Probably a good thing. Uh, a few of us are still on there to do the odd post, but real conversations and arguments and fighting and, um, yeah, all that stuff goes on in our own community now where we try and mm-hmm. <laughs> moderate it when we can, um, apart from when Guy tries to, you know, lead a mutiny. But... um yeah, it's it's it, it, this is this is kind of like a pipe dream, you know. It was a pipe dream. I think a lot of people this summer didn't think this one would be the one that we would go for. Yeah, um, uh, and and that that is the mental thing. That is the mental thing. Um, it kind of came out the blue. Um, yeah, I mean, like you know? I personally had given up on Caicedo to Liverpool. Like it was a you know pipe dream. Still, obviously, I wanted it, but I sort of thought realistically, if Chelsea want him, you know, I know that we like him, but this is Liverpool we're talking about. We're not going to outbid Chelsea on a transfer fee for a player when the club in question can give to either of us, and when the player is happy going to either club. Um, you know, this is not a situation where he's like forcing the move to us rather than Chelsea. This is definitely just a case of us having to outbid and flex ourselves on Chelsea. And I just didn't think that was something that could happen. Um, so yeah, like this, this has really been sort of snatching victory from the jaws of defeat. 
I can agree with that, but we still have some ways to go. As Klopp mentioned on the press conference just a few minutes ago, that mm. there is a deal with Liverpool, but there is there is still some time to go to a deal to uh, to do one with yes. with Caicedo, uh, and and there's plenty of reports of Chelsea coming in with um, a last bid or a last you know thing on Twitter, etc. So you know it's not done done yet, but it's <laughs> it's I mean. Liverpool wouldn't probably just um, go out there and put this and Klopp speaking about it if they weren't confident, obviously not agreed, but if they weren't confident of doing something, I'm mm. sure they wouldn't even go as far. They'd just say, yeah, we're not talking about it, if that makes sense. Because I know what Klopp's like. He'd probably be like, we can't talk about this. He's he's not going to yeah. be doing this or whatever. Yeah. So there's some confidence to be had. But yeah, if there's some scepticism from people, I, I can understand that. Um, and, you know, just the fee though, 110 million, Richard. Yeah, that is just a lot. Mind blowing. Liverpool. Yep. I, and I think that um, it really seems like one of those things that doesn't make a lot of sense on the surface of it until you start to think about the situation and the context. And then it starts to like make a little bit more sense because when you're having a player who's going to be competing for minutes with an existing defensive midfielder who's also very good in Fabinho and that player is therefore for the first year maybe two of his contract not have you know all of the minutes at the club then and you're thinking about well okay how good is he how much does he contribute in value on the pitch for the time that he's on the pitch um and then you you're making that estimation it doesn't look quite like it would be really worth it, even if you think the player is potentially world-class. But then you get rid of the six that you had and also the backup as well leaves and you're in a situation where, oh, okay, so now it's the value he brings on the pitch when he's playing pretty much every minute if he joins and it'll be value over the top of a kid, a talented kid, but still a kid in Bacetic, and then putting some of our other midfielders who don't really want to be in the six, like McAllister, who's pretty good at it, and Jones, who pretty new to it, let's say. Um, you know, we we've definitely can see that the value there that he's adding versus not having him is huge. And therefore, when you're then crunching the numbers, which I'm sure Liverpool's departments do, we know how much they like their analytics um, on the valuations of a player. Suddenly, the inputs that you're putting into that equation is changing. And therefore, the outputs are going to be changing a lot too. And suddenly, a player that you maybe thought was very good, but not that good, for you, suddenly does become that good. Yeah, it's a rare breed. Uh, DMs getting getting top class DMs is very difficult. Um, Liverpool Football Club know that there's a handful that we've had in the, the last couple of decades, you know, that have been fantastic and that's it. Mm-hmm. It's it's so hard to actually get the right one and also to fit them into your, you know, they've got to be smart and obviously we've got a real big, if this obviously does come off, we've got a big advantage that there's a player in there that he's already, you know, played with for a whole season. Yeah. That he's sat yeah. next to that he's got understanding with. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, you're just fitting that into your club. That actually is going to be very helpful for him. At the end of the day, he's a 21 year old kid as well. Um, and yeah. we forget that because he's played a whole year. Um, 
and and comes across as a very mature player when you watch him. But the point is, he's still a child himself. At 21 years old, you're investing that much money because of the age too, I think. And, you know, this guy could be here for a decade if they wanted him to be. You know mm-hmm. what I mean, and and that's 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 why it's probably worth paying that money now. If he was twenty six, twenty seven, I don't think Liverpool would do it. Oh, definitely not. No way. So it's because of the age, and um, yeah, I mean, anyway, let's let's move on. What do you? And you can you could try and I know you love your stats, so you've been on UP before as well. So you could try and um, mix this this answer up with some numbers if you've got them. But how do you think? Um, Okay, tell me what you think. You know the, the the big advantages of 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 having all the strengths maybe of Caicedo are, and how that would then affect you know how we play and what we do. Maybe you can split that up if you want. Hmm. Your choice. So I would describe Caicedo as being the kind of player who I I sometimes describe certain players as cheat codes, and what I mean by cheat codes is that there are some players who are so ridiculously good at certain things that they can functionally fill the role of multiple players within a system that usually needs you know more than one player to do that job. Um, and, you know, you'd look at someone like N'Golo Kante at Chelsea for many years and Leicester before that as someone who covers so much ground tackling and pressing and all this kind of thing that effectively you can have just him and then some more passing possession focused midfielders with him and that will already be the equivalent of like a full pressing midfield because he's not just amazing at it he was the best at it to the point where it was frankly absurd and you can look at Van Dyke in his prime as another cheat code player someone who like we could afford to just push so many players forward, including our fullbacks, um, when Van Dyke was at his peak, because he was so absurdly good at covering space that he could effectively do the job of multiple defenders in stopping counterattacks and covering open space, even in non-counterattack situations and all kinds of things like that. Um, I believe Caicedo is a cheat code player, um, because the amount of space that he can cover on his own is ridiculous. And his ability to get to the ball wherever it is in a defensive situation and just shut down um, an attack by isolating an attacker with the ball and cutting them off from their teammates and then just bullying them 1v1 is so, so impressive that he will be able to shut down a lot of the holes that Liverpool have been having in their press over the last year or so, um, and which you know has been a source of constant frustration and anxiety, I think, for a lot of fans watching, let alone for the players and the coaching staff. Um, he, he truly is, you know, at least on the level of Fabinho at his peak, in terms of being that that lighthouse, as he was often described as, um, who will vacuum up all of the stuff that you need to to vacuum up in those situations. And I personally believe has the potential to be even better than Fabinho was at that. So that would, I would say, be the thing that stands out first of all, um, is that his recognition of space defensively and his ability to see it early 
get to it before it turns into something dangerous and just shut the attack down is superlative. It's like the best of the best. That's, um, that's, that's the cheat code, man. That's the yeah. bit that we, we we miss. That's the bit actually that this team, in terms of before you move on, yeah. this team needs, like they are so ultra attacking at times mm-hmm. that they need that player in between where we can just hoover stuff up or at least slow other teams down for a bit whilst we come back and catch up and get into shape. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the thing that really would... And also, I mean, maybe you'll cover it later, but the ability to maybe play it right back and cover for Trent sometimes is probably yeah. going to be key too. So yeah, I mean, wow, continue. Um, this is making me even more excited, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. well, um, some of the things that... like you know, I made the comparison to Kante earlier and... Uh, when I was first really falling in love with Caicedo, Kante was the player who he reminds me of the most. But that was because at the time he was playing really more of a, an aggressive eight role at Brighton. Um, this is before Deserby took over. And I think that my opinion has evolved a little bit since then. I do see him as more of a six now than I used to, um, which is convenient given that that's how he'll be playing for us. Um, and I think that if anything, he fits the role that he'll have here at Liverpool even better than uh, would have been the case maybe a year ago. And he is a player, the, the, the similarity, the reason I like comparing him to Kante in the first place is because he really is an aggressive defender, a front foot defender. He's not someone that will sit back and sort of jockey his man as they come forward with the ball and sort of stop them from moving it on and slow them down. Can slow people down, of course, but more what he loves to do is to get into people, to make tackles, to stick his foot in at the ball aggressively, to charge forward at people and win the ball back as fast as he can and then move it on to start an attack, Um, which, of course, perfect for Jurgen Klopp's way of playing football. Um, And so that ability to be so aggressive comes down to the fact that as well as that really excellent vision, that recognition of things early on and where the threats are, he also has physical traits which perfectly line up with what he needs to do. So two things in particular. One is that he is very strong. He's strong as an ox. Um, He really has the ability to just bump players off the ball. I've seen uh, there was a, a goal that Brighton scored against us, Liverpool, um, last season. And I think it was in the first game uh, where Deserby had just taken over, where he basically swatted Henderson off the ball uh, when it was dropping down from the sky and the two of them were going to go for a header together. And Caicedo just shoulder barged Hendo and he launched him like two or three yards away, which meant that Caicedo could then, rather than contesting a header, just take the ball at his feet and pass it on, which then two passes later was a goal. And then uh, similarly, I've seen a game where Caicedo was playing against Man City and he did the same thing to De Bruyne, of all people. And De Bruyne, is, you know, may have a reputation for technique, but he's a strong lad, you know, really bulky guy, De Bruyne. And Caicedo was just bumping him off the ball with ease. And so when you've got a player who can go into a dual situation with a player, you know, who has that reputation, talking about, you know, the top of the game here and can come out on top, that's when you know that this is a special kid. Um, so his, his strength is really superb and also makes him very press resistant, of course. We'll get to that more later when I talk about his possession game. But the other thing that makes him really good for these defensive aggressive situations is that he has got the flexibility of a gymnast, I like to say. Um, he's got this ability to 
contort his legs around so he can be running behind somebody and then he can make a slide tackle from behind the player without giving a foul away and cleanly win the ball because he sort of chops his leg around the player and then back onto the ball without ever having to touch them by sort of almost doing the splits whilst slide tackling them. Um, and, you know, he can do that at high speed whilst also being accurate and precise with the tackle on the ball. It's something to say it really is. Um, so I've, I've seen him take on likes Bruno Guimaraes and Alan Saint-Maximan against Newcastle. You know, again, the likes of Bernardo Silva and De Bruyne at Man City and all kinds of other big, big players. Uh, and he's still able to do that against them. So that that flexibility and strength together means that he has that ability once he's closed the space down and he's on someone and they're now having to, you know, compete against him in that closing space, no one's going to beat him. No one. Because they're not going to be able to outmuscle him and they're not going to be able to uh, get out of his reach because he's so flexible. The only way you're going to get past him is either moving the ball onto someone else or pure speed, which would require open space, which he's not going to give you. So in that sense... There is nary a person in the league who will be better at shutting people down uh, in those situations. Um, and that also means that he's also, and this is where I can bring my first stat into play, uh, an exceptionally good defence midfielder in the air. He has a win rate of around 65-ish percent over both of his seasons at Brighton. It averages out to about that. Um, and that is around the same level of the likes of Casemiro and Jao Palinha, other really good defensive midfielders, slightly below Rodri, who is the best in the league at this, but significantly better than Fab ever was. Um, Fab tended to hover around 60%-ish um, most of the time of, he was here at Liverpool. So he's actually even better in the air than Fabinho, despite the fact that he's not quite as tall. And that's because of the fact that he's so strong that he is able to jostle for position when going for a header with his opponent and essentially push them away from the best spot to jump from, and then he can win the header from there. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, it's, I, I can't believe the numbers are very close, you know, in terms of aerial duels and things like that. That's, that's crazy. What's his height, actually? Did you mention that? I don't know exactly how tall he is, but he's he's not Fabinho tall, but he's also, he's not short either. He's sort of more average, I think. Let's have a look. Let's have a quick Google of that. We'll tell you straight away. Uh, 1.78 meters. I'm a horrible backwards person who uses imperial feet and inches still. Yeah, it's five five foot, 5.8 so that doesn't tell you. Uh, yeah, there you go. So he's so he's not tall, really. He's but he's also not like super short either. Yeah, five nine probably something like that. Five ten, five nine, five ten. But yeah, not not short, not not too short. And as we've but seen, yeah. Thiago, of course, being short doesn't mean you're bad in the air. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. It's um, it, yeah, I, I, I totally get it. Like you said, if he's if he's like you've if you've kind of described him as a gymnast, then he's going to have all the ability to do anything. And I think it was some of the stuff that you've um, explained as well just tells you it's going to be um, it's going to be incredible. If he's going to be incredible in our team, isn't he? Mm. 
Yeah, he really is. Incredible. And yeah, he, he will be that thing where, you know, one of the biggest problems we've had as a team when our press fails is that, you know, we often get told about how Liverpool are vulnerable on counterattacks, but often counterattacks, well, you know, a problem for us. Another big problem that doesn't get mentioned as often is um, particularly over the last season, teams will play through our press in a much more just sort of structured way. So uh, it might be their goal kick. It might just be from a build-up. Who knows? The point is, is that everybody's in their normal 4-3-3 positions. Trent's at right back. He's not inverted into midfield because, you know, we don't have the ball. And we try to press as a team. We go up really aggressively. And then because um, we're going aggressively, Trent it's his job, has to come forward and join in with that because one of the fullbacks always has to go high to make sure that they don't have any passing options as part of the way our press works. And then if they play through us anyway and manage to make the passes through that press that we've done, maybe because they've invited us on, often if it was Brighton, that would be the case, um, then will be all the space almost as if it were a counterattack. And I think that's why a lot of people think of it almost like it is a counterattack, because it seems that way. But it's not a counter situation. The other team have had the ball for a while, um, but they still play through us. And then there's all that open space for them to exploit behind Trent, behind Robbo, whoever it is. And mm. Caicedo is the kind of player who, because he's aggressive, the player who will be looking to make that crucial pass who wants to receive the ball between the lines, turn, and then play a ball forward into one of the attackers. That's usually the Sixers' job to shut them down. And yeah. sometimes Fab was a little late on it, sometimes last season, because... You well, know, no, Fab, we'll, Fab for the last 18 months hasn't been Fab. The, exactly, the Fab yeah, yeah. So um, getting someone in their prime and doing all those same things again is, is so exciting. Exactly. Because the level goes up, the whole team goes up. Yeah. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. (laughs) This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Um, does he, some of the things you're saying though, remind me a little bit of Wijnaldum as well. A little bit. Like there's some, it's kind of like a Wijnaldum Fabinho hybrid, which is kind of even better <laughs> yeah, than anything yeah. that we've had. Because, I mean, have you discussed, uh, and I'm sorry, because I'm a bit distracted because loads going on in Discord at the same time, the, the forward play of this of this guy as well, because he's not yes. just defensive. 
course, of course. And the defensive thing is the thing that's always going to be the first thing you talk about with yeah. six. But but there is definitely a lot to talk about with him going forwards as well. And unfortunately, the thing which I like most about him as a possession player is something which you can't get the statistics for anymore, which is really annoying. Um, it the... used to be the FB ref when they were still uh-huh. using stats bomb data. Right. used to have a stat called passes under pressure. And it would tell you how many passes were made while a pressure event was happening on that player. And they don't have it anymore. But I can remember, because it's one of the things I loved about him the most, that when Mm. they still had it, um, Caicedo uh, at the time was playing a less possession-focused role. This was before Deserbi, you see. Um, And so he didn't actually make that many passes. And a lot of his passing stats were not great. He didn't make that many progressive passes. He didn't make many passes into the final third, all this kind of thing. He didn't make many passes in general. And so you might be um, easy to think that this was not a great possession player. But then you looked at his passes under pressure, and what you realised is that, like, a good 70 to 80% of the passes he were making were, were whilst directly under pressure from an opponent, which is an absurdly high amount. That never happens. Mm. And it's because he was playing a very specific niche role in the system at the time that Brighton were playing, um, where he was... His job basically was not to play forward. His job was to receive the ball to his, with his back to goal with somebody basically trying to take a ball off him right up his ass and then um, move the ball sideways or backwards at an angle to a teammate who would then be in space to put the ball behind the player that was pressing Caicedo. And that way they would play through them. And so even if Caicedo wasn't the one making the progressive pass, he was the one causing the progressive pass, even though the data wouldn't tell you that. And he was someone who had a really good pass accuracy despite this amount of pass under pressure. And I'd say that although we don't have the stat for it anymore, I think he still makes a high number of passes under pressure with Deserby, whilst also having just a larger amount of volume and making a lot more progressive passes. I believe that um, Caicedo makes more progressive passes, more passes into the final third, more passes into the penalty area than Fabinho averaged in his time at Liverpool. So generally, you know, I don't think Caicedo is like, you know, a Thiago style maestro who will be able to just do all of the passing on the team. But I think he's like Fabinho plus in terms of his ability, whilst also being exceptionally good at keeping the ball under pressure. And, you know, at the end of the day, what he needs is someone next to him who can be the guy who does make like the ridiculously good penetrating passes from long range, switching the ball all over the pitch. It would be really convenient if we had someone next to him who was really good at that kind of thing. Oh, right, we do. We have possibly the best player in the world at that in Trent Alexander-Arnold. So as far as I'm concerned, if Caicedo is the guy who's going to be manipulating the pitch so that Trent gets on the ball in space with his head up, oh, yes, please, give Mm -hmm. me that all day. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's (laughs) exciting, dude. It's just so exciting. So, um... Shall we move on to more a statistical look at him? Mm, yeah, absolutely. What have you got for us? Well, um, I'm going to, first of all, be able to borrow under short notice the fine work of a fellow Anfield Index fella um, from an article today by Ben Bescott. And uh, he's kindly already managed to 
compare some of the statistics that Caicedo has to Romeo Lavia, who are also linked with, and Fabinho. And you can see that in that, um, Caicedo ranks first on touches per 90, passes completed per 90, pass completion percentage per 90, key passes, progressive passes, carries, take-ons, you know, all these things are things which uh, Caicedo is first. You know, he's better than Fabinho, he's better than, than Lavia. Um, and I mentioned the uh, earlier the aerial win rate, but not only that, but also for the ground game, um, Caicedo has the second highest tackles of any player in the Premier League last season. Uh, he has the second highest interceptions per player of any um, midfielder last wow. season as well. Um, and that was second to Jao Paulinha and Declan Rice, respectively. Understandably, that means that he has a better combined tackles and interceptions than both of them, I believe. Mm. Um, and that on its own, I would usually caveat by saying, well, hang on a second. In midfield in particular, defensive numbers just on volume of events does not necessarily mean that the player is exceptional. After all, we all know that someone like James Tarkowski makes more tackles than Van Dyke, doesn't mean he's better than Van Dyke. Um, however, Ryan are a possession-based team. They dominate possession. If anything, it should be the opposite. You know, it should be, you know, there's a reason why Declan Rice and Jao Paulinho, the other players, are really high on this. It's because they were playing for Fulham and West Ham, teams who sit in low blocks. Um, well, Fulham don't sit in a low block all the time. They press a bit as well, but um, not a team that has the ball all the time, that's for sure. And so they were having to rack up loads of tackles and interceptions because their team didn't have possession most of the time. Brighton dominate possession and Kaiseido was still making all of these tackles and interceptions. So if anything, that should make it more consistent and reliable that you would expect him to retain this volume of uh, defensive work, even in a team that dominates possession like Liverpool. So that just speaks to how efficient he must be, you know, the percentage of the time that Brighton are winning the ball back or that uh, the other team has possession that percentage of that time that Caicedo is contesting the ball directly himself must be huge. Um, so, yeah, it, it's one of those stats that it looks really good when you look at the shallow take and then just looks even better when you go deeper. I mean, absolutely. At the moment, just a little bit uh, drama going on. Um, Chris Williams uh, on um, on Twitter, Chris seventy eight Williams. Caicedo representatives confirm, as far as they are aware, Brighton have closed the deal and accepted Liverpool's offer. But Chelsea have this morning presented an improved package to the player and have contacted Brighton about new terms. So, uh, Damesh Seth from Sky yeah. don't really rate him. Told told. So not I'm told, just told. Told Moises Kaiseido having second thoughts about Liverpool move. Playing representatives still in London. No official word. Chelsea have returned. Uh, Dave Hendrick, our very own Dave Hendrick, has, I think, tweeted something as well. Let me go find it. Yeah. He he believes that Kaiseido has already agreed personal terms, been at our offices in London, and is on his way up to Liverpool in the next hour. So some conflicting Reports, twists and turns, maybe it's drama, who knows? Lots going on, lots of nerves, people getting excited, people getting sad. Um, it looks like today's gonna be quite uh quite the dramatic day. But 
let's move on. Is there anything else um, from a statistical point of view that we can talk about? Yeah, um, there is one more. Um, it's a bit of a weird one. Uh, not conventionally how you would assess a player, but it's one that I just think is a fun stat to get us all excited, um, which is that it's actually about a team stat rather than a player stat, which is specifically when you compare Brighton before Caicedo debuted to after he debuted, and you see the transformative impact that his presence has had on the side. Because, you know, credit is flying around in all kinds of places for why Brighton has been so good over the last season. But what a lot of people, I think, didn't quite um, recognise is that the run of form where where um, Brighton were racking up uh, points per game, you know, their points per game last season was 1.63, and they were actually slightly higher than that, I believe, um, in the last 10 games or so of the previous season. And that's because... Caicedo made his debut in the Premier League for Brighton against Arsenal. And that was uh, just after the last international break of that season. And Brighton had been really struggling. They were having not much in the way of wins at all in that season. And then Caicedo brought into the team, having just come back from a loan in Belgium. Um, and from there... Brighton were winning, let me see exactly how many it was, one, two, three, four, five wins out of eight games in their last eight, including wins against Arsenal, Tottenham and Manchester United um, from when Caicedo made his debut uh, in that season. And I don't have time to go into all of the XG figures for those individual mm-hmm. matches, but suffice to say, they're pretty darn good. Um, so basically what I'm getting at is that Caicedo's impact on the points per game of Brighton as a team was enormous. And I go back to this comparison again. It's one of the reasons I spotted it in the first place. Um, but it reminds me of the impact that N'Golo Kante had at Leicester when they signed him. They went from a team that was, you know, famously in a relegation battle and then won the Premier League the next year the moment that Kante joined them. And there were other players there too, like Riyad Mahrez, et cetera. So we're not going to put it all down to Kante, but no one's denying he was a transformative impact on them. And then he left and they went back to almost being in a relegation battle again, while Kante's new team, Chelsea, walked the league with a record points total under Kante. Hey, it's, 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 it, I mean, look at what happened with Liverpool and Fab. Yeah. yeah. yeah though the, this position is so vital. It's so vile. It's, it's, it, I mean, it's inconceivable how important having a, the right DM is in your team hmm. and making sure. I mean, if you've got all the other bits right, for example, and like our club, if you watch any of the preseason games, you know, going forward, there's no problem. Um, and the two eights now are incredible in terms of what we've purchased. Yeah. Um, even what we've got you know, like Curtis in behind them and then, you know, maybe Badge even growing into it. And Tiago, when he's fit, it's 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 a, a lot of exceptional talent right there as the eights. Mm. What we are missing is this. And you have mentioned a very important word there, which is one final little stat that we can put into this. Um, one of the favourite adages of another uh, person here at Anfield Index, of course, is that the best ability is availability. And... Caicedo never gets injured. Never. And he has played, I think it was about 
34 point something 90s for Brighton in the Premier League last season. Um, so at least as much as Fabinho ever played. Um, cause so we're replacing the fact that Fabinho was someone who played the vast majority of the minutes with one player. That's great. Mm. Doesn't get injured. So we're not going to have a problem. And what it means is that someone like Tiago, who we've been, you know, all able to see how good he is, but also how he can have injuries throughout a season. And you can't just predict when an injury will happen. So you can't, even though in the aggregate, you can say we've got enough minutes. If it's all happening at unpredictable times, it makes it hard to plan around, or maybe there are specific games where you don't have someone available. And then you have someone like Josedo who comes in, it's just like, yeah, he's just always available. Like, he's always available. And in those games that he played um, at the end of the previous season with Brighton, he played every single game in that sequence of eight. He started all of them, and he played the full 90 for four of them and at least 70 for the rest. So, and that was when he was only just being integrated into the team. So we're talking about a player who's got that same ability, the likes of Van Dijk, Salah, Fabinho, et cetera, Mane had um, of just being a cyborg who's always available, never injured. Availability is is king. As, you know, Cyberindish always says, it's it's the king. So, um, yeah, again, it's why you pay the big bucks, dude. For, for for a player like this and also well we've put a bid in and it's been accepted I don't know about us buying him and completing it that still seems like mm-hmm. it's a bit of a way off but yeah we're not going to celebrate just yet but it's always good to talk about obviously the type of um the uh the type of effect the player would have on um on the team what do you think he does overall for everybody you know um in terms of the defense in terms of the attack, what does the, you know, what, what kind of impact does this? Have? I, you know, I, I've been on record in the discord before saying that I think that I, I believe I was directly asked if I would be willing to pay a hundred million for him before. And I said, yes, um, uh, a few months ago. And I've also gone on record as saying that I think Kaiseido could be considered the best defensive midfielder in the world eventually. Wow. Um, I've, been that hyped about him since last summer, basically. Um, I think that it's not just the fact that the numbers were extremely good. It's not just the fact that he looks really good to the eye test whenever I watched him. It was also the fact that he was doing it against the level of opposition that indicates it's no joke. Like, I was watching him take on the likes of Kevin De Bruyne, the likes of Bruno Guimaraes, you know, proper elite midfielders of the absolute highest order and he was winning duels against them he was out competing them beating them one-on-one and I think that that for me was the indicator that like he is going to be able to go on to be the very very best um I think that you know there's no guarantees in football you never know how a career is going to play out but I think he's got that potential yeah me too. It's very exciting. Um, well, potentially very exciting because it's live on air. We're getting like the the jitters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this could this could be a bit of a, a drama today, but it just it doesn't make much sense to me. If you if if um, all of the news was correct last night, in that Brighton set a deadline for you know the auction, and it had to be done yesterday, basically. Um, that's it, right? The person well, who gets the deal so. done. 
that would be it. Why would they go back? And why would they allow um, to go back? Unless the player really does want to join Chelsea. And and that's the thing that you've got to keep an open mind about. Um, it has been said constantly that he does want to join, um, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Um, I don't think there's any chance if we do sign him that uh, there'll be the usual puff pieces coming out about how oh he spoke to Klopp and he really believes in the project and all this kind of thing. I think we all know this is a player who's coming here because you know we made a good offer for him and he's fine with that rather than someone who's like super passionate about Liverpool specifically. But it's a professional game and you have to realise that as long as someone operates professionally on the pitch, that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. But um, uh, I have, you know, I'm I'm kind of a little bit deflated by what's going on uh, and all the news, but um, I'll try and keep myself a little bit upbeat. Um, mm. Is there anything else that we could discuss about Moises right now uh, or any other points that you have that you think would be good for our listeners? Um, I think one thing would be that um, don't be disappointed if he occasionally gives the ball away. Um, because it does sometimes happen. He's someone who has the vision to spot really difficult passes, particularly ones when dealing with a press under pressure. And so he might sometimes attempt something that would have been a really good pass if it had come off, and occasionally it won't, even if nine times out of ten it does. And it'll probably look quite bad the first time it happens. But don't be disappointed, because in the aggregate it'll all be working out in value. Um, that'd be one thing I'd say. Uh, another thing would be the Ecuador were extremely good at the World Cup and were very unlucky that they didn't get through the knockouts. And um, Caicedo was able to beat other international midfielders again, just as more evidence of how good he is, like the likes of Frankie de Jong um, and uh, I believe uh, Drissagana Gay for Senegal as well, older now, but still a good player. Um, and Caicedo was, you know, outbeating all of these players who are who are very good players. Um, so yeah, just lots and lots to be happy about with Caicedo. And I think if if we get him, then yeah. I I see no reason why this Liverpool team shouldn't be able to reach the heights that previous incarnations under Klopp have done. Mate, if he does join, like I said, and I think most people are saying the team just becomes or goes up a couple of levels and immediately is back into challenging, you know, for, mm-hmm. for it or, you know, for, for everything. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens today. So, um, Ben Jacobs, who a lot of people think is a bit of a spoofer. Uh, Chelsea this morning asked Moses, uh, Moses Caicedo to wait as they explore a way of hijacking Liverpool's own hijack. Caicedo <laughs> hasn't travelled to Forum Medical yet. LFC have a £111 million deal agreed with Brighton, but CFC actively exploring options. One of the craziest stories of any window. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I wouldn't get too worked up over it, to be honest. I mean, I think it's somewhat inevitable that Chelsea would try this. Yeah, After all, you know, Chelsea trying it and telling the press that they are trying it doesn't mean that it's going to happen. 
Um, yeah. so it's all down to Brighton, right? If they if yeah. they just say, "Sorry, don't need any of this. We've done yeah. our deal. We don't want to deal with you anymore. We've got some money off you anyway. It's all to keep it to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, we don't want to sell anyone else to you, um, and we don't want to make you stronger than us either. So we think we'll actually still beat you. So yeah, um, I, I hope Bloom does that, <clears throat> and um, you know, I, I I hope this happens. But yeah. all about Discord then. Uh, a lot of questions. When are you coming back? If this deal <laughs> happens, is it? Is it? Is it? Is this the deal breaker? If Kaiseido joins, you'll come back <laughs> to Discord. Well, maybe. You know, I, I think that there's definitely the potential that I could come back for for periods. I don't think I'll be coming back in the same capacity I was before because I was basically living on Discord for a while. Um, mm. But uh, I would definitely need to find a better balance if I did come back. But yeah, I haven't decided yet. We'll see. Sounds good. Well, I just want to say a massive thank you for joining us on the show, coming back on this, um, well, well, we'll call it a news round, Guy. It's a news round. News round. I didn't say it at the start, but this can be a news round on Kaiseido. So mm-hmm. appreciate you coming back to um, AI Pro, mate. It mm. was a pleasure speaking to you and hope to hear from you soon. Always a pleasure with you, Gax. Okay. Thank you so much. And guys, stay tuned. Uh, lots coming, I think, today. We're going to find out what's happening. There's either going to be an absolutely joy, joyous, buoyant uh, old school, or there's going to be an absolutely um, crazy, angry one. Uh, we'll find out what happens. Stay tuned. Lots going on. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.